Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. The Super Bowl's here, and you can get in on all the action at betonline.ag. Tampa Bay, the first team in history to play for the title on their home field, are currently three-and-a-half-point underdogs against Kansas City, who's looking for back-to-back titles the first time in almost two decades. Personally, my money is going to go on the Kansas City Chiefs. They're just too good, and Pat Mahomes is, is just too dynamic. BetOnline has hundreds of props on the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem. That one I'm always going to take the over. People try to make that their moment. Always available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. Uh, Larry, we, we have some good news to talk about. We were going to be 0-3 coming into this podcast and then uh, was looking like 0-4 up until about four seconds to go last night. Uh, for anybody that didn't catch it, the Wizards pulled off a 149-146 to win over the Brooklyn Nets. They were down almost 20 points early. They were down 146 to 141 with about 4.7 seconds. Beal hit a three, and uh, Garrison Matthews stole the ball. Russell Westbrook hit a three with four seconds left. Brooklyn inbounded to Kevin Durant. Westbrook slapped it away. 2.9 seconds left. They inbounded to Timothy Luau Cabarro with two seconds left, who missed a point-blank layup, and the Wizards win. Larry, is this something we should celebrate? We just take any win we can get at this point, or is this just two bad defensive teams and, and we sort of got lucky and outgunned them? Yeah, hey man, you, you, you take that win. Like you, you take that win. I mean, the uh, the basketball guys, we call those the basketball guys. They 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 rained down and they they blessed them. I mean, they blessed they blessed them. Brooklyn had every opportunity to close that game out, you know, and in, in, in that game and. They just kept. They just kept fighting. They just kept themselves in a in a in a good position, and things fell fell their way. So I say, who won it or who lost it? I, the, the Wizards. They won it. They won it. 
Yeah, Scott, you mentioned keep fighting there. Scott Brooks said that when he called like four consecutive timeouts in the first half that or three consecutive timeouts in the first half, that that was his message to them. Keep fighting and keep, you know, keep doing what we're supposed to do and it'd work out. I, I was hoping he would talk about some, you know, uh, adjustment or countermeasure he put in place that really spurred them on. But it didn't seem like that was the case, at least not what he was willing to admit to. Well, I think you got a, you got a healthy body last night. You know, with 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 Wes, he had a healthy body, and and it showed, right? I mean, it it, it showed, and the energy, you know, it kept going, and the guys that came in off the bench, they just had to keep fighting. I think they know that Brooklyn is a not really good on defense, so the the idea is to, you know, keep making a smart play, keep attacking the basket, and it got out of hand. You know, coach was willing to call the timeouts. I mean, I haven't seen that in a while, but. You know, if you think about it, it may have gotten in the heads of, of, of Brooklyn of, of what he was doing. So, I mean, you know, something worked. Yeah, I, I was thinking that last night, too. Not not on a pro game. You don't typically see the the head coach be willing to, to do that early in the game. You know, we talked a lot about or heard the team talk a lot about in these press conferences that certain players came in off the bench and gave them a real spark. And a lot of those names have been the same names. Like we've heard over the last, you know, let's say last five games, including the shutdown, Garrison Matthews came in and gave them some energy. Mo Wagner came in and gave them some energy. Uh, last night it was Ish Smith came in and gave them some energy. And he had been a little shaky early in the season. But if we keep relying on those guys to get kind of thrown in there and give us some juice, why are they not just naturally in the lineups to begin with? Like, Rui was pretty bad last night. Bertans hit a few shots, but wasn't great overall. Uh, Denny was kind of flat. Like, why not give some of these other dudes more of a look and see if they can do it on a more consistent basis? Well, I think that that's sometimes a problem. If you give them too much, then you allow them to to make more mistakes. Mm-hmm. So it's really finding that sweet spot within the minutes that you give them to you know to make sure that they look good, right? Sure. I mean, if you play a guy three minutes too long, and then Everything he did, you know, pretty good. It just looks like shit. So I think that that's, you know, that's part of it is finding that time. But it's also making sure that your core guys are playing well, you know, meaning Brad is playing well at the same time. Westbrook is playing well and Denny is playing well or good enough when those two guys are playing, you know, good basketball. So it's really, you know, finding out the core because I think Ish Smith is a guy that can help you. I don't think that you can split his minutes with Neto and and make it work i don't think you're giving him enough time to actually be effective so when you're splitting those minutes you're not really getting production out of ish to what you would like or what you would expect but i think that he is a guy that that i would say not because neto is is injured right now but it, it really gives him an opportunity to to show that he can play valuable minutes within to support that core group and not just really spot minutes and that's a guy that really comes to mind because he allows Brad to do different things with this change of pace, but he also allows Westbrook to do some different things as well uh, if they play together. I hadn't liked the Ish Smith-Westbrook minutes earlier in the year, especially when Westbrook and, and Ish were both struggling to make shots. Plus, they were putting him with Troy Brown and Robin Lopez. Last night, you saw them with Wagner, who can stretch the floor. They were out there with Berton some. They were out there with Matthews some. And and I feel much more confident about that duo when when they have somebody to actually give them some space to operate. Yeah, and it was good to have guys back last night. I mean, just have bodies. And I think Mo is one of those guys. Like he's one of those guys where you you have to watch him playing too many minutes. Yeah. 
because of you know the the troubles that he gets in, himself into. But he's one of those support guys. Like if you're on a team, I mean, he's he's one of those guys that's good to have around and good to have on your team. Uh, but he just he just has to get those consistent minutes. You have to figure out what those are. But he's he's a guy that wouldn't fall out of my rotation due to you know what he should be doing on the court. You've talked before about you know his energy on the bench and him running the sidelines for guys and and what that kind of adds to the team. From you know there's some stuff last night about body language from certain guys and and then you see Mo he gets a dunk the whole team's huddled up around him in a timeout like you need that I think that was one of those things I think um, he may he may have gotten the dunk I think it may have been the dunk on the fast break uh, the, the you know the, the one hander mm-hmm. and he kind of looked towards the bench and. It was a little bit more than a golf clap, you know, that was going on on the sidelines. And it was like all of these teams, when you see energy, you see guys making plays like the sideline is jumping up, you know, high fiving because there's no fans. You got to you know create that energy during that play. I would like to see the Wizards follow that trend Mm -hmm. because he was excited. He hadn't been playing much like he's ready to try to help turn this thing around. So those are like the little small things that that I pick up on, you know, just kind of watching. Uh, from a distance, but he's a guy that's he's he's one of those guys, man. I I, I like what he brings to the table. Yeah, when you you're kind of the cheerleader for the team, you you really want to see guys reciprocate that when you go out and do well. And it seemed like that got better as the game went along. Like he he tried to dunk over KD. You know, Russ came out and flexed with him and stuff, and, and they had a little bit of moment there. So that was good. I, I just think they look smoother offensively when he's out there than with Lopez. Like I, I know this show has kind of turned into me finding a way to shit on Robin Lopez every week, but the, it just makes more sense to me. He challenges some shots at the rim. He's not trying to take a charge on everything. He's sliding his feet. He also spreads the floor a little bit. He even Len does some of those things to the point where, like you said, you don't want to give Wagner too many minutes because he'll foul too much or throw the ball away or take a bad shot. But you know, there's got to be a transition, I think, from Sage veteran to some of these younger, more active guys, I, I think, if they want to keep this going. Yeah, I think that there's a balance, you know, because I've seen a couple of good things that, that Lopez did, you know, the other night, uh, mm-hmm. two on the offense, well, I guess three on the offensive end, really, when he, he had guys driving to the basket and he was initially, you know, posting up. And then he became the seal guy. Yeah, cleared everybody and you're out. not getting around Robin <laughs> right. Lopez. Yep. So his teammates are going to love him. Like they're going to say, you know, you know, make sure that you know that he's in a because he's going to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. to make sure that they try to get something good. And the other one was as you talked about the spacing, is he was the space guy, he was the, the, the corner guy, mm-hmm. and he didn't hesitate to shoot the three from the corner, yeah. and maybe sip the tea after you know he he made it, but he didn't make it. But I think that those are just things that he brings to the table. And there's a place for him, That's right? Good. There's a yeah. there's a place for him, but it's up to the coaching staff to figure out what makes the most sense. If he is available to get a guy going, a guy needs to get to the basket, get some looks, you know Robin's going to seal that guy off. That may be a, a time when you use Robin, you know, the most. Yeah, absolutely. And then a, a, on a team like Brooklyn last night where they went super small kind of down the stretch – uh, you know, you can't have Robin Lopez chasing Jeff Green around for, for much of that game. Um, so it was good that they kind of went center by committee and situationally put Mo in for, for more of that. So, so that was nice to see. In post game last night, David Aldridge asked uh, Garrison Matthews if this reminded him of that Reggie Miller play or your series of plays against the Knicks. And uh, 
got a puzzled look and then Matthews kind of just like didn't know what to say. And Aldridge like, do you, do you even know what that is? And, and Matthews is too young to, to have any <laughs> understanding of that, but it is kind of what I thought of. I mean, obviously the situation is different, but, but that was a very crazy sequence to end a game. Oh, it was, it was great. I mean, it was great. Just the reaction of, of the Nets, you know, just when it happened, I mean, just like they're, you know, they're, they're stunned reaction of like, we just did that. You know, yeah, but it, it did remind me of the, the Knicks and, you know, Reggie Miller. I mean, just the way he was – he stole the basketball and it was like he could have traveled or he could have stepped out of bounds and he kind of got rid of it, you know, before before that happened. And for Russ to be there to step into it, you know, and to knock it down and to shoot the ball with confidence and for everything that, you know, that he, he's been dealing with as far as, you know, scoring the basketball, you know, that was that was good to see him knock it down. He might not have shot that two or three weeks ago, so I'm I'm glad that he was feeling good enough about things to to pull the trigger there. Yeah, and it wasn't over. They you know they still had to get a stop. It was a little bit of self check at the end, but they they still had to get a stop. So that wasn't the end of it. And and I think Russ made the shot, and he was going back to the to to the huddle, and he was just saying that we got to get a stop. You know, let's get a stop. And 140 what six points? Yeah, you know they were able to get a stop. People were, were going nuts last night, and I never want to tell people not to enjoy a win, but it was still a lot of points to give up to a team that didn't have their second best or, or best player. We've talked sort of endlessly week after week about the defense. At one point last night, late in the game, uh, Drew Gooden said, there's not one particular area I can point to that the Wizards need to improve in, and I like almost lost my shit because there's one very obvious important end of the floor where I think they could improve it in a lot of ways. So uh, have you seen any strides from them in that department over the last week at all? No, I, I think, you know, they made shots last night, made more shots, mm-hmm. you know, last night, but it, it's when they take a bunch of shots and a bunch of bad shots, it just puts them at a, you know, at a disadvantage. It puts them in trouble. And I think that that's what they've been struggling with. Yes, you're playing bad defense, but the reason why you're playing bad defense, it has a lot to do with the shot selection and the, the floor spacing. You know, everybody's down below the free throw line. It's tough to get back. And a lot of things are done either in transition for layups or scrambling around to shoot the three ball. I mean, that's, that's how the guys play. And I think the net still shot like 58% from the two, 50 plus percent from the three. So they still got whatever they wanted. And the Wizards shot like 50% or something, but they took more shots than Brooklyn did. Less turnovers but, too. Yeah, so it's like there's just a balance of the game. that I, You know, I, you saw Strauss last night because Westbrook was who he's supposed to be. I mean, he said, I mean, he said it's tough to play when you have – when you're bothered by, you know, a, a lower leg injury and then you're just thinking about, can I do what I need to to do on the basketball court? Mm -hmm. So you're not even playing. You're just really thinking about, can I take this step or can I jump off of this leg? I mean, that's, that's been tough. So, you know, he was, you know, somebody that, you know, they could Brad could look to his his left or right and say, okay, let's rock. We, you know, we, I can work with this, you know, but that was last night. So let's see how that, you know, that carries over. He looked like that for for part of the Atlanta game before getting ejected. Obviously, like I don't think he looked as good in that game as he looked last night. But you started to see him at least being willing to try to beat guys off the dribble, and uh, that hadn't gone so well the, the whole rest of the season. So, 
Larry, just sticking with the defense for a second here. Can you be a good defensive team without at least one or two like elite individual defenders to cover up for your couple guys that that maybe are are always going to be kind of subpar? Like I can't think of a team in the league that doesn't have at least like one guy that I can say like, all right, that's that's the dude who's kind of the sets the tone on defense. I think those guys can be created from good team defense mm-hmm. because then we start to single out like an OG in, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good defender. He has a good body, but I mean, if he's on another team, I mean, so when you play good team defense, I think we start to look at who has the body style, who has the body type that should be a good defender. And then we, we sing with those guys out, but I think you can be a good team with to start out without having one guy that you identify, you know, or, or the outside world identifies as, the you know the stopper guy because you look at a guy like Hachi who has really good body style and body type and you know long arms and big hands that should be or could be one of those guys but he needs to team around him to help him out so he could obviously be better and I think that that's he's a guy that can switch any position so that gives him an advantage from say a Brad Beal being a stopper you know there's he has some versatility to his game Westbrook hasn't been like a particularly great defender in his time here. I know situationally he can do it when he needs to. Um, same, same for Brad, realistically. You know, how, how do you overcome two or three guys that are, let's just say, subpar or, you know, average at best um, and, and play good team defense? Like, is it just those guys have to really dial in and you all have to be like it perfectly in sync on, on how you're going to play in the game plan? You know what, I think that it, it sounds like, a you know, maybe a little kitty, but it's communication. Like, it, it, it's completely about communication. I mean, you're talking about possessions and, and things of that nature that you have about 16 seconds to play solid defense and be in the right position or maybe two rotations. And for really, for me, it's like starting in the right spot. And if I'm a pretty good defender and I'm your teammate, I can communicate to you how to start in the right spot. And then it's about your effort and your energy to to want to play defense, to want to try to make it tough on on, on the other team because defense gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of you, I mean, they're not playing defense. So that's the, that's the old head in me. But I think if, if you can communicate with your teammates on getting everyone to start in the right spot, that, that's that's a great start. And that's on everybody, right? Like you need everybody to communicate with everybody. That can't be one guy on the back line kind of calling it out for everyone, right? No, that that's everybody. You know, that, that's everybody because of, you know, how the game is played, obviously, with, with being in different positions and, and just understanding, even if you're in the top of the floor, I mean, where I send my, where I send the offensive player, if I'm sending him to his left, I can communicate that where I'm sending this guy. So the guys behind me know that even though your coverage was called to, you know, show and go over the screen, I decided to send him left because of where we're at on the court. So when we play, my help is not going to go to the other side. He's going to know that I need his help on my, on my left side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's kind of high level. And I think if that's if, if you want to be a good defensive team and everyone is communicating in that manner 
And, you know, if there weren't any fans in the stands doing Golden State's run, I think you probably would have gotten a ton of that. It's 2021. People can acquire self-driving cars, eat burgers made out of plants, even fly to space in rocket ships if they have the money for it. So if you could do all this futuristic stuff today, the very least your phone could do is download entertainment in a flash. For that, you should get AT&T 5G. AT&T 5G is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Want to make sure your phone service keeps up with what you need from it? Get AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan or device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. So there's been a whole bunch of especially national coverage about Beal maybe pouting a little bit in the first half. And they they tried to make it about uh, him not getting enough shots. But it seemed to happen multiple times after somebody made a very glaring, you know, missed rotation or, uh, you know, two guys were in the same place and like it seemed to stem more from the defense in my opinion, or it could have been both or, or nothing or any of the above. I, I don't know. Maybe we're reading too much into the whole thing, but to me, every time I've seen sort of a, a big lapse, there's somebody pointing Denny in the right direction. And, you know, that's the young guy you're trying to tell him where he needs to be, you know, his, his responsibilities, but how much of that falls on Brad as the leader of the team to when, when something isn't right on the floor to not, um, sort of react a certain way, but but go over and be the one to point those things out to his teammate, or or like is is that just on the coaches? Does that have to fall on him? Like, how does that responsibility sort of shift? I guess. I, I thought you know all of that is is done you know in a in a team huddle on the court during whatever break time or during timeout in our in our huddle or in the locker room. That's I think that that's when you address that. After the play, you can address that on the court. Some goes on during the game. You can obviously address it at timeout. Team is not playing well. Obviously, you can address it at halftime or after the game. So for me, it's like not about that sort of body language. It's not about all these guys. I mean, if, if I get if I get all these guys as a teammate, I'm hot. Yeah, I'm hot. Like yeah. now we're under the bus. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a problem now. So. I think that it needs to be done in a way that you're that you're commu- again that you're communicating mm-hmm. because when things happen fast, your body language to everyone is just captured then. But then once you go look back at it, like it wasn't his fault. It was that it was your fault. Yeah. So like we can't. I, I don't get into like body language of like if I see something, then you you obviously communicate that and say how can we not let that happen. But sometimes it boils down to being too small and, and not being strong enough that, you know, you get taken advantage of. And that's when you want to talk to your coach about, Hey, you know, Hey, what are we, what are we doing? We can't guard this situation because of what we have on the court. Yeah. I mean, if, if Kevin Durant just shoots over you, like there's only so much you can do about it, but if you're going to keep losing Joe Harris somehow, like those are the things as a team, like you, you got to find a way to, to fix at a certain point. Cause I think everybody was going to lose their mind if we saw him shoot another, like completely wide open three. Uh, and I, I didn't mean to sort of point Denny out specifically there as like, he's the the source of all their defensive problems. But when you have a young guy, you can't practice a ton. You don't have a training camp. Like that's the guy that's going to need more hands-on pointing in the right direction than, you know, Robin Lopez would. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you didn't have the time. Uh, you, you didn't have the time and, and just like, he's not ready. 
in the situation where he's now he's coming back from, from the health situation and he hasn't been able to prepare physically, you know, guys are, are coming at 100 miles an hour and the ball is going to find you. Right? It's, it's, it's going to find you if you're struggling in, in certain areas. And it's, it's on the defensive end. It's not he understands the basketball game. and He'll get better defensively because I think he wants to play. But right now he's just a, a step slow and he's been a step slow, you know, before he went out. And obviously just last night, he was just, he just looked, you know, a step slow. The reason I sort of asked about individual defenders and interjecting, you know, like a stopper or whatever, but it's just, I still really feel like this team would benefit from just like, here is a veteran small forward that knows where to be and is a little more seasoned. Like that just seems like a real struggle to me. Like we've talked about Hachimura could do this. Denny sure. could grow into that. Bonga has the length to do that. Like, but there's just still too many sort of question marks with those guys. And, and maybe that looks better by the end of the year, but uh, I, I think that hurts them right now, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's the the value position within the NBA right now is that position and quality guys at that position uh, that are, that are very versatile. And you're searching for that guy because if you find that guy, then obviously in a year or two, you're a much better team. You're in a much better situation. So again, it's it's selling division. What are we trying to do? Are we planning for now? Are we planning for what's to come? And if you're planning for now, then obviously you know you don't have that in your in your vest right now. So what 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 would you do? Uh, sticking with Rui for a second, uh, he made some comments this week, just sort of about uh, coming back from the COVID break, and said, "I just need to get back to basketball mentally. I was out for two weeks at the beginning of the season. Then I came back. Then I was out for two weeks again." It's really hard to keep my mind. I don't think my mind was right. I wasn't ready and focused on playing basketball and playing games. I think I've got to focus on it more. I mean, I think those things are fair. Like he has seemed sort of out of it and and you saw a poor shooting night last night and he looked sort of hesitant in the game before that. We've talked about this before. I, I think we forget sometimes that NBA players are also real people. Uh, that's a tough break. Like he's gotten sort of a, a, a tough a tough set of cards he's been dealt this year between the two situations. Yeah, I think we have to think of, of professional basketball players as real players and think about their job as, as a real job. I mean, he's looking and he needs to catch his stride. I mean, if you are a journalist and you go to work every day and you are talking about certain subjects and the more you go, the more you talk, you know, you hit, you catch a rhythm on, on the cadence and all those things. So I think it's just the same as a, basketball player if he hasn't played and hasn't been healthy enough and it's again it's tough to perform when you're thinking about your health whatever with the infection early on but then obviously coming back from from COVID and all the things that are floating around in the world I mean how I mean how can you focus where where do you fight yeah it's tough I mean I I feel for these guys on on how they can focus on uh you know playing basketball but I think he's looking, he needs to catch his stride and that's only going to happen, you know, with him being around and getting a chance to play more games, but nobody's going to feel sorry for him. Nobody's going to wait for them to, to catch up, you know, get up to speed. I was listening to, to the Woj pod the other week and he was talking about how he had talked to multiple GMs before the year that said they expected the teams that were integrating like major new pieces or really relying on young guys to produce, to be the teams that struggled the most out of the gate and then you hear things from Rui about, you know, these kind of setbacks and having a hard time keeping his mind right. I also heard a different story about Andrew Bogut talking about how, you know, later in his career, Steph Curry was checking Twitter at halftime because he 
He liked the the negative comments to fuel him and things like that. Obviously, you know, it's sort of a different thing, but does it just get easier over time as you have more years in the league to sort of tune out noise and things like that and, and sort of take something that maybe could be a negative or a distraction and try to use it as, as fuel as opposed to like letting it really throw you off your game? Or does it depend on the person, I guess? Uh, it depends on the person somewhat, but you just become a grown man. Like sometimes you have kids and, you know, things that used to bother you before you had kids and other different responsibilities. They don't bother you as much now because you have greater things to, to, to think about, you know, than a comment on social media or what a fan says. I mean, uh, that's that's pretty much the reality of it that, that I can think of is a, at some point in time, like you're you're a grown man. And I and I can I can say that because I was with Braun, you know, early on, you know, just coming into the league. And obviously he would go year by year and all these things. He's still, you know, winning all these awards and you know, great player. But then there was a certain time where he just you can tell this grown man kicked in. And I actually sh- shouted him out and talked to him after and said, I, I recognize because he just turned into a different person as far as to how he was going about his business. And that's, you know, the difference between a young player and a vet is that you get a chance to experience more, um, you know, so that, that, that would be a problem for these young guys coming in. Is that where maybe the league being sort of younger overall and having less veteran guys on a team kind of hurts from that perspective? Like you don't have somebody to impart those lessons when like Brad is like the third oldest player on a team maybe. Yeah, no, that's, that is, has a lot of truth to it. You know, I think that the when the league is so young, you don't have, you know, a lot of these guys that that have had the experience, you know, mm-hmm. share that knowledge or, you know, not put so much on a guy that's 26, 27 years old. I mean, you know, that bridge, that gap that you have with older players gives those younger guys, you know, a chance to, to grow and chance to experience because they're coming in, you know, obviously at 19 years old, 20 years old. So even though they've been in the league, six or seven years they're still finding their way as a as a as a real adult so i think that, that is something that's lacking uh within the within the, the rosters speaking of a, a young guy coming into his own there i don't know if you listen to the the local <laughs> broadcast here the the hawks game but uh drew gooden threw you a shout out and said that uh cam reddish reminded him of a young larry hughes um i don't know do, do you see anything in that comp there did, or did you hear that in real time uh, no, I, I didn't hear it. Uh, you know, obviously, I know the, the, the kid from, um, you know, the EYBL days and things. I mean, we got the same body type, I guess. But, yeah, he's he's a really good player, so I, I take that as a compliment for sure. I think in uh, another couple of years, he's going to be pretty tough to deal with. But he had that play where, like, he, he slashed to the hoop and then, like, ran down the court and, like, disrupted another play by by sort of just, like, using his length. And, and Drew was like, oh, looking like a – a young Larry out there. thought that was a nice shout out. But the other thing I want to talk to you about, Larry, the refereeing or officiating in these last two games has, has seemed brutal to me. I, I mean, am, am I just sort of being a homer there? I, it just it felt like we got shafted in both of those games a couple of times. Man, I, I think that it, they're, they're always bad. In, in a sense, they're always bad. And I think that they let their emotions get the best of them. And I think in a situation with like Russ in the Atlanta game, you, you don't need to prove a point 
that you control everything. And I mean, and that's not the, you know, the, the, the main call, but that's just one of the things that I look at. It's like, you just did that to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And when these guys, I mean, they talk and, you know, Russ is one of those guys. Like he's one of those guys that are going to, you're going to let you know when he, when he's not happy. So having him on the team comes with a few extra of those games where you might run into a guy where he, he really let have it and you catch the benefit of it or I guess the repercussions of it. Yeah. I, I think three out of the last four games, he's been involved in a double technical situation. And then you saw Robin Lopez get thrown out for, for two tees and, it just seemed like they really kind of struggled to to get things uh, settled in that Atlanta game. And when they chose to sort of, um, you know, hit people with text seemed kind of weird. And I don't know, just you can't wait like three quarters of the way through a game to decide that you're going to like get everybody under control. It, it just doesn't ever seem to work out particularly well. Yeah, no, man, the refs are acting on emotions and resending technical fouls. And I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but the thing is, it's like you have to, I don't know, there's, there's, a, there's a game that you have to play, you know, with the refs as far as to who's the, the peacekeeper on the team. You got to have a really good peacekeeper. Like if, if you're, if two of your best players are like, not assholes, but. Yeah, they're going to give know, them a hard time. They, they walk that line, you know, sometimes as far as, the, you know, how the game is called. So you got to have like a, a peacemaker. You know, a guy that's just actually on the court that plays minutes, and that's the guy that like smooths things over. Mm. I mean, it's the it's a little inner workings of the you know of the NBA, but it's it's very valuable to have you know somebody that the, the referees really uh, respect. I haven't noticed that person on the Wizards roster so far. Who is the the guy to smooth things over yet? I, yeah, I don't think we got one yet. <laughs> I think that's part of you know building the team for the future is like a a really good small forward you know, in a peacemaker. I like it. All right. Next four games coming up Tuesday night. They play Portland Wednesday night. They play Miami Friday night. They play Miami and Sunday night. They play Charlotte. Portland's pretty tough, but they're not unbeatable. And it's a reasonable matchup. I think for us, stylistically, Miami struggled a little bit. You know, they're, they're not looking like the same team that made a finals run last year. And Charlotte's a winnable game. I think if they can play, like they played last night offensively, maybe tighten things up a little bit defensively. And actually most of those, two of those three teams are not nearly as good offensively as Brooklyn is. So maybe that helps just a little bit on its own, but uh, what what are you looking to see from them in in this sort of next week's uh, stretch of basketball? Well, I think a good week would would be to to go 500. I think a good week would be to go 500. I think with a Portland game, which you, you talk about, you know, that's a game that, you know, that the Wizards can win. And then you have the, the two Miami games. Miami plays really good defense, and they're consistent with, I mean, you know, playing solid defense, rather. I wouldn't say really good defense at this point, but solid defense. And I think it's going to be tough to to beat, you know, a team like that twice, you know, so splitting with a Miami team. And Charlotte is, is definitely a winnable game. So Portland is the game that I think that if they steal it, then they should be able to go at least 500. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think at least one of those Miami games, and for whatever reason, the Wizards have seemed to play pretty well against Miami for the most part, or at least, you know, at least kind of overachieve in one of those games every season. 
Yeah, they, they match up. I think they match up well, even with this, you know, the current roster. I think that they match up well as far as their attack points against against Miami, who's obviously should be one of the top teams in the conference. But they match up really well against Miami. Anything else you want to throw out about about the team or what you saw last night or, or and any overall state of the Wizards things? I think that you have to look at the amount of opportunities that you get to score the basketball versus how much you're struggling on defense. And you have to figure out what the balance is that, that you're willing to, to sacrifice those strong defensive opportunities for just, you know, making sure that you get, get up enough attempts on the offensive end. And then when you have Russ playing the way he did and Brad, obviously is going to, he's stepping to the table every night. I think it was good for him to see, or, you know, have a feeling that somebody next to him is, is capable of, you know, doing this thing as well. Mm-hmm. Brad's one of those guys that if he only takes 20 shots, he can still end up with 40. You know, I, I don't think that that's the case for Westbrook right now. So, you know, if he does have to take a majority of the shots, making sure that Brad is still in rhythms, you know, still in mm-hmm. flow to, you know, to keep everything, to keep everything rolling. So I think if those guys can figure it out and I'm looking for them to, you know, stay healthy and, and try to get on a little bit of a winning streak as those other guys get back from, from the health precautions or protocols. Yeah, like I said, even going 500 right now, given where the rest of the Eastern Conference is, it, it actually gets you kind of back, at least in the conversation of somebody to compete for a, a top 10 seed. Um, so, so that would be huge. Uh, just one sort of other related note for everybody. We'll be giving away a signed Bradley Beal uh, picture, autographed picture. So to enter for a chance to win that, send us a screenshot of you subscribe to the show. That'll get you one sort of entry into the giveaway here. And if you send us a screenshot of you writing an iTunes review for the show here, uh, that'll get you a second entry. So we'll we'll try to give that away in, in two weeks time here. Uh, so it gives everybody enough chance to, uh, you know, to kind of to get their name in the drawing there. So uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, and we will catch you guys next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.